welcome to Play by Players, an MLSBA podcast. This show is brought to you by the players and is all about the players, both past and present, who have plied their trade in MLS. You'll hear about each player's journey into the game, their careers and life after the game, on the field and off. It's all on the table. Now here's your host, former MLS player, Bobby Boswell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Play by Players. Today, we are joined by a 17-year MLS veteran. He's one of the few players to reach the 400 MLS appearances milestone. He has played over 33,000 minutes in MLS, or for you math nerds, that's 23 days straight of playing soccer. That puts him in uh, the top 10 all-time for minutes played. Uh, He's played for the Colorado Rapids, Toronto FC, and FC Dallas. He is a Supporter Shield winner, a two-time MLS Cup champion with two different teams. He's a three-time Canadian champion, an MLS All-Star, and a member of the U.S. men's national team. I like to say he's done more for wristbands than any other player in MLS history. Please welcome to the podcast, Drew Moore. Oh, man. Is there time for me to say anything? <laughs> yeah, well, you know, the, the intros are long-winded, but in your case, um, you know, that was cutting it down. I could have said uh, two-time college champion, world FIFA, uh, you know, youth world championship. So I kind of cut it down just to kind of fit it all in there. I, I appreciate that. My face might be a little bit red right now. Oh, well, well, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, uh, tell us, tell us how, uh, how you feel. And we're going to get into your body over the course of this, uh, over the course of this, but how are you holding up? Oh, I, I appreciate, I appreciate you guys having me very, very happy to be here. Um, the body's holding up pretty well. Uh, obviously it's been through uh, a little bit the last 17 years, um, I struggle to get through warmups these days, uh, on regen days. So, uh, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, uh, mental strength these days, you know, obviously I have a wonderful family at home with two little boys. Um, you know, I've got a, I've got a dog, uh, you know, I've got a, I've got a house, uh, my boys go to school and stuff. So there's a lot to focus on off the field these days as, as a husband, as a father. Um, but I still just get extremely excited and and feel like a little kid every day when I'm driving up to training and it, you know, playing soccer still just, just does not get old to me. And it's something that I hope to, to continue beyond this season. Um, uh, That hasn't been decided yet, but uh, you you still got, you still got gas in the tank. I can tell you got gas in the tank. And and for those wondering, uh, he's, he's played uh, you're one year younger than me and you're still playing. And I, I, I hurt myself the other day walking down the beach. So, um, you know, credit to you. I know what your body's been through and the fact that you're still doing it is a, a testament to you. So um, let's, let's rewind it back. You know, you, I was born, a lot of people don't realize this cause I claim Florida. I was born in Austin, Texas. You are a, a, a Dallas Texan. Um, mm-hmm. Talk to us a little bit about growing up in, in Dallas and how you got into the, uh, into the sport of soccer. Yeah, um, Dallas was actually a, a great place. I feel like Tex- Texas in general, but, but you know, North Texas, the Dallas-Fort Worth area was a great place to grow up playing soccer. Um, youth soccer, even, even, you know, still there produces a lot of, uh, a lot of good, solid professional soccer players. You, you know, Clint Dempsey, um, Breck Shea, Kenny Cooper, Omar Gonzalez. Uh, it was, it was a, a great soccer scene to grow up in, and, and it still is. Um, my dad came from the Midwest. And so he didn't, you know, he didn't know a lot about soccer. When I started playing at five, he was my first coach ever, but it was just the sport that I, that I fell in love with immediately. I, I grew up playing, 
you know, basketball, baseball, golf, tennis, football, all, all the sports, but soccer was the one that, um, that I loved the most that I, you know, I, I woke up in the morning, think about thinking about, and, and, you know, went to sleep at night thinking about. And so having, you know, the, the Dallas area and some of the the players that I competed against and, and the, the club coach that I had is, is, you know, his name is Kevin Smith, an English guy who, who played in, in England growing up and stuff was uh, a huge part of my development and, and being drafted there, obviously um, to FC Dallas was, was great as well. Yeah. And you bring up Kevin Smith uh, that was with the solar club, um, which is uh, still, you know, still a, you know, there's still a ton of players playing soccer in the Dallas area, um, you know, and it's actually become a hotbed for sending players to, to Europe, um, you know, household names. Now um, you, you bring up your family, you come from a big family, you have a family of yourself. Now um, it seems like family is always a theme in anything we read or hear about you, uh, which is very cool. Um, and you brought up your dad and, and that's kind of leads me perfectly into uh, it, it sounds like he took you and you know, have gone to a ton of sporting events over your lifetime. A lot of them um, were soccer related. And, and I think it started as early as, um, you know, the the World Cup in 1994. Is that right? Yeah, man, it was unbelievable. So uh, a, a funny story about that. We, you know, I was 10 years old in 1994 and, and we knew the World Cup was was coming and that the Cotton Bowl in Dallas, Texas was going to host some games. Well, we got tickets um, to one of the first round games, I think it was like Germany and, and South Korea. And we were super excited to go. Well, my little brother was born on that day. Right. And so we didn't get to go to the game. And so I immediately hated my little brother. <laughs> <laughs> As you should. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, he, he's a great, he's a great dude now, you know, we're, we're really close, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, you know, he, even still been at 10 years old and, and without a professional league, um, in the U S at that point, other than, you know, the, 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 a league, I think it was back then and, and, and no professional team in Dallas. It was kind of like, Oh, that, that sucks, but you know, whatever. Well, my dad was in a, in a, in a soccer store a couple of days later, uh, or maybe a couple of weeks later and somebody offered him tickets to the, to the quarterfinal game, Brazil against the Netherlands, right. Brazil against Holland. Um, and, and he, he grabbed him. And, and so we got to go. And I remember, walking up to the stadium, right. The Brazilian fans and, 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 and the Dutch fans. And I was just like, like, what, like, what world are we in right now? This is like, this means so much to them. I remember Brazil scored a goal in the game. Right. And, and a kid about my age, a Brazilian kid with the, with the Brazil jersey on was like crying like tears of joy, you know? And so it was just an incredible experience to have the world cup in our backyard. And if, if, if I didn't already love, love soccer, that was the day that, that, I thought I want, I want to be involved in this the rest of my life. Yeah. And, and that's, that's awesome. You had hinted at there wasn't soccer currently. Um, obviously that world cup is a springboard for major league soccer. And then you get, um, you know, you're fortunate enough to have the Dallas burn uh, in your hometown. And um, I, you know, sometimes I read a lot of stuff. It, it's funny when you know a guy, like I know you, I read a lot of stuff that I know is not true. So I'm always skeptical of saying it on a, on a podcast, but um, I, I read somewhere that you actually went to like the first game for the Dallas burn. Is that true? It is. Yeah. Back in, what was it? 96. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was 12 years old. Uh, I knew 
so obviously my, my club coach, Kevin Smith was, you know, well into the, into the soccer scene in, in the Dallas area, um, knew a couple guys that were going to be playing for the Dallas burn, but, but you know, my dad and I, as soon as we knew Dallas was getting a team, we wanted to go. And so I went, I went to their first ever game. It was against the, the San Jose clash who had played in the inaugural game. I believe the weekend before Dallas didn't play that first weekend and, and they played, they hosted him in the cotton bowl. Um, it was it was a game that finished zero zero, but uh, they had the dribble up shootouts back in the day, you know, and and uh, we were we were kind of regulars at, at Dallas Burn games, uh, you know, really kind of up until the point that I got I got drafted there about eight years later. Yeah, and 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 you, uh, it's it's funny you you bring up where the league was then and where it is now, um, you know, and and you bring up getting drafted. We're a little ahead of ahead of that, um, you know, and they. I think the year that you got drafted was the first year they changed the name from the burn to FC Dallas. But, um, you know, when you're watching those games, uh, did you, you know, did you think like I went to mutiny games when they had the team in 96 and I never thought like, Oh, I'm going to play pro soccer. It was like just cool to watch Valderrama. And, um, you know, did you think watching at that level um, at that young, were you just entertained or did you think, man, I can actually do this one day? I kind of, I think I viewed it the same way you did. It was, you know, certainly when I was young, 12, 13, 14, it was just cool to to have another team to support. Obviously Dallas is a great sports town. You have the, the Cowboys, the, the, the Dallas Mavericks, the Dallas stars. And, and again, my, you know, my dad was great about taking me to, to, you know, see these sports teams and we became Dallas sports fans. And so to have the Dallas burn was, was amazing. And then, you know, I got into high school and and some of my high school buddies would go to the, to the Dallas burn games, but it was never, this is who I'm going to play for. You know, I'm going to be drafted by the Dallas burn who ended up being FC Dallas. That, that never really crossed my mind. It, you know, I think in high school, back when, back when you and I were, were that age, it was kind of, where am I going to go to college to play soccer? You know, obviously the landscape has changed a bit with, with the growth of the league, but um, it wasn't until really I was, I was, I was in, you know, in, in, in college that I thought I can play in, in major league soccer as well. Yeah. And then before we get to high school, which I do want to talk about because you have just an obnoxious number of goals scored there. Um, you, I read somewhere you went to the 98 world cup too. Is that, uh, your dad took you over, you know, so this is four years later, I think you're now 14. Um, you know, we both have a similar passion for Zidane. Um, but I mean, what better way than to go watch him, uh, do his thing. So talk, talk a little bit about how, you go from becoming a World Cup a soccer fan, playing it, watching World Cup. Now you're going into Europe to watch uh, the World Cup. Talk a little bit about that. Yeah, so to kind of piggyback off of my my 94 World Cup story, um, when we were driving home from the Brazil-Netherlands game, which, which finished 3-2 to two to Brazil, um, my dad was like, where's the next, like, where's the next world cup, you know, like we're going to the next world cup, wherever it is. And, and that was literally on our drive home from this game, you know? And so we found out it was going to be in France. I, I had never been over, overseas. I'd never been in, in another country except, except for Mexico, I don't think. Um, and so, yeah, we, we, we planned, uh, planned a trip four years early. Uh, yeah. Four years in advance to go to the world cup uh, in 1998 in France. And it was incredible. We actually, went to a couple games, but the main one we saw was the semifinals where Brazil played the Netherlands again. So it was like four years later, we see the same game, you know, and it was in Marseille and it was unbelievable. And then we got to go to the other semifinal game um, where uh, France beat Croatia. So I got to see, yeah, my, you know, kind of my childhood idols, Zinedine Zidane play in a world cup 
Um, just an incredible memory. And again, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, my dad was a horrible soccer player. Uh, <laughs> he played in a men's league for like a half a game because he tore, he tore his ACL in it. Right. Uh, he's a great athlete. He played, he played other sports, but soccer just, you know, he grew up in, in small town, Indiana. It's just not what, what he grew up playing, but for him to, you know, share the passion that I had for, for soccer and to take me to these world cups. Um, again, it's, it's a huge reason why, uh, I'm still doing this after, you know, professionally after 17 years. Okay. Well, um, we talked a little bit, uh, you mentioned high school there. So you went to the Episcopal school of Dallas. Um, you know, I always look up notable alums. You are 25% of the, uh, of the notable alums and, and really uh, you should have made up a hundred percent compared <laughs> to who the other people are uh, no offense to them, but uh, your mascots, the Eagles, mm-hmm. um, you know, but for me, the, the most obnoxious thing I found was uh, you scored 32 goals in one season, which I was like, that is, that can't be right. And I said, maybe that's for his whole career. And then it said, uh, and a whopping a hundred goals <laughs> over a four year period, um, which I have to ask, was the competition just not very good or was Drew Moore just like a goal scoring machine in Dallas, Texas? It was the best high school level in the United States you will get. (laughs) It was, I graduated with 90 kids. It was a very small private school. um, And we played, yeah, we played in a conference where a hundred goals was possible. Um, as somebody who played club soccer, basically, that's all, that's, that's all I needed to, uh, no, uh, it was, it was competitive, you know, it was, um, obviously it was, uh, again, it was North Texas. It was the Dallas area. There were some, some good athletes. I had a couple of very good soccer players that, that went to Episcopal as well, that I was able to kind of feed off of, but, um, yeah, 100, even, I remember my last game, my senior year, um, we were knocked out of, uh, you know, the state tournament and we're playing in, in the third or, or fifth place kind of consolation game. And, and I was on 99 and got my 100th goal and thought, OK, that's a, that's a decent high school, <laughs> high school career, you know. But, um, yeah, the competition wasn't uh, wasn't too high. And, and were you, a, I'm assuming, an attacking midfielder at this point? Yeah, I think my so my 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 freshman year. I actually had a guy who who had committed to uh, UNC Chapel Hill as a senior. So he and I just kind of ran the show. Um, so I scored a lot of goals my freshman year as a forward. And then when he graduated, yeah, I think my last three years, I was kind of an attacking midfielder and just was able to well, make things happen back then. The, the least shocking accolade on this list is, uh, is that you got high school soccer player of the year uh, scoring 32 goals in a season. So um Obviously, between that and solar, um, you know, in the solar, we joke around about high school not being great, but, um, you know, you make your name in, in the club level. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about getting recruited. It is a hotbed, like you said. Um, you know, as a Floridian, we always struggled playing any teams from Texas, especially, you know, north central uh, Texas, where there's so many talented guys that you know, or quite frankly, there's really talented guys. You never learned their name, but they were ballers, um, you know, from the area. But, you know, how did, you know, talk to me about how you got recruited and how'd you end up deciding to go to Furman? Yeah. So being at, at you know, at Solar Soccer Club um, was, was huge for my development as well, because I had some very good uh, club teammates, um, two that were uh, drafted into MLS. Kenny Cooper was was one of my club teammates for my last two seasons. 
Um, and then another guy, Kyle Brown, um, who was drafted right about the same time you and I were. Uh, he was drafted to uh, Houston. Yep, I uh, played with Kyle. Yeah, yeah, I played for a couple of years. Awesome guy. Uh, and, and you know, we, we were always kind of at, at some of the big showcase tournaments, which, which was huge back, back in the day. You know, you, you, you try to win your state cup to get to regionals. There were a couple of big showcase tournaments that, that were, you know, invitationals to, you know, some of the, the big, big club teams in the nation. And I was lucky to play for, for a team that I think sent everybody to, um, uh, to play soccer in school. I, I, I don't think everybody finished, but, you know, had some, some wonderful teammates uh, and, and Furman U- university was, was the top of my list, um, you know, going into, going into my freshman year, uh, Clint Dempsey was there. Ricardo Clark was there. Um, you know, they came to my house and said, we, you know, we want you, we want you to be, um, you know, the next guy that, you know, that, that, that comes here and, and makes a name for himself. And, and I had, a club teammate that was going to be going to Furman if I had committed there and a couple of, and he was on the U 17 national team and a couple of his buddies were going to go. And so my freshman year there was, was, was a wonderful experience. Um, and, and the place that, that I wanted to be my freshman year. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Ricardo and Clint, um, you had a guy named Sergey Rod who I grew up playing against in no West way. Windsor. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Sergey was wild. So I mean, you know, West great player though. Oh, and incredible. Um, and then, you know, you had a, you did have a great year. You were rookie of the year in the conference. Uh, you were on the, you know, freshman team, you know, and, and for the, the, the whole nation. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of hint at your dad being from Indiana. I mean, I'm kind of wondering what, you know, when you usually guys don't play, they, they transfer out. In your case, um, you know, what led to you deciding to go, you know, to a program that Jerry Yeagley had made into a, just a, a powerhouse? Yeah. And, and Indiana was, was always a place that I wanted to go to. I went to their summer camp actually uh, growing up um, in high school, um, but they didn't recruit me real hard. I think they wanted me there, but, but they certainly didn't, didn't show the love at the time that, that, you know, some other, other places were a lot like Furman um, and, and knowing some of the guys that, that were at Furman, uh, you, you know, was a huge self selling point for me. Uh, but a couple of things happened while I was at Furman. I just didn't, you know, didn't ever feel completely comfortable there. I knew Clint Dempsey and Ricardo Clark were going to be turning pro probably that year, which they ended up doing. Um, and I was just like, man, if, if, if I want to, if I want to play professionally, I, you know, I feel like I need to go someplace that is going to compete for, for a national championship. And, and while I feel like we did my freshman year at Furman, um, I, I thought transferring was just, just the best for me personally. It was a tough decision because I had made so many good friends at Furman and had such, you know, great teammates and, uh, you know, had committed there. Um, the coach did not want me to go. He made it very difficult for me, which I totally understand because I had just told him 12 months before I want to, I want to be there and, and, you know, this is where I want to go. And so, you know, I think that was really my, you know, kind of first tough decision to make as, as kind of a man, I guess, I guess you could say, um, you know, but certainly uh, glad I make it or glad I made it, um, but have some very fond memories from, from, from being at Furman as well. Yeah, I'd say it worked out okay. Um, you know, and then the, the fun thing is, is a lot of times I, I go through a program and, you know, Furman, for instance, we, we highlighted some of those guys. Walker Zimmerman was another guy that, that went there. And, um, you know, when it comes to Indiana, like we don't have time on this podcast to go through um, the guys that came before you. And even the guys that were there while you're there and the guys that came after you, but uh, you join a team that has Danny O'Rourke 
you know, Jacob Peterson, Ned Grabovoy. I played with Big J Nolly, uh, John Michael Hayden, you know, just to name a few. Um, you, you know, you come in as a as a sophomore and uh, right away you guys win a national championship. Um, you know, I think you you got All-American your junior year where you won another national championship. I, I say for you, this is like your real first taste of championships. Um, you know, talk to me what it was like to transfer in earn a starting spot and then help, help lead this team to, uh, you know, to really back to back. It's kind of unheard of, you know, maybe not in the old days, but not, it's definitely unheard of now. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. Um, and it was really my first kind of taste of, 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 of a championship, you know, in club soccer, you, you play in a bunch of tournaments that, that you win and stuff. Um, but we never, you know, we never won regionals. We never went to nationals. We, you know, we always thought that we had a team that, that could be able to do it. Um, but then to go to, you know, to go to Indiana and, and to put on this jersey where many national championships had, had been won before. Um, and, and Jerry Yeagley was in his last year, my, my sophomore year, my first year there. Um, and yeah, there's you look at guys like Daniel Rourke and Ned Grabovoy and, and Jay Nolly. Uh, all I had to do was kind of what I can do. I, I was just kind of a, a piece to the puzzle. You know, I just had to go out and, uh, you know, compete every single day and, and, and try to make myself better every single day and, and be a positive person. Because, I, you know, I think my, my junior year, uh, you know, the 11 guys that started in that national championship game, I think nine of them got drafted and, and a couple guys that were on the bench that day got drafted as well. And so it was, it was almost like a professional environment. It, it really was. And, and we were taken care of probably better than I was my first couple of years in the league when the league was still, you know, the league was still pretty young and, 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 you know, going through uh, some changes and, and trying to, uh, uh, you know, develop itself every single day, but being at Indiana was, was awesome for two seasons. Yeah. And, and before you kind of hinted at, um, you know, getting drafted, but before there were a couple milestones, uh, talk to me, uh, a little bit about the U-20s, the World Youth Championship at uh, United Arab Emirates. Um, you know, you guys had a very good American team. Uh, I had Justin Mapp uh, on the podcast, and we kind of highlighted, you know, Freddie Adu, Eddie Johnson, um, you know, Clint, just the Bobby Condi, I think, was there. Uh, just the, the names, Chad Marshall. Um, it, it was just an, a really impressive group of guys. You guys made it to the quarterfinals. You start that game against Argentina. Um, you know, just talk to me what it was like to, you, you know, you talk about early on, you're, you're watching these things on TV and you're going to games and, and World Cups and watching them in person and blown away. And now you're essentially representing our country on the, you know, the biggest stage at a junior level. Yeah, I think going to the, to the you know, World Youth Championships, you know, the U20 World Cup was, it's something that it just feels like such, such a long time ago, you know. Um, well, because it was. It was. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, I, you know, when people ask me about, you know, great memories or, or, or biggest games or whatever, I, I, sometimes I, that kind of gets lost in the shuffle, having having gone and, and represented the U.S. and the United Arab Emirates, um, uh, you know, against, uh, you know, I think in, in our group we played Germany, um, uh, was one of the teams we played, and then, uh, you know, we, we lose to Argentina in the quarterfinals. I wasn't, I wasn't involved in the qualifying for that U-20 um, team. I was kind of brought in late and, um, and it was the first time I'd, I'd ever got, you know, uh, 
junior national team, a taste of the junior national team, what, what it was like. I was, ne I never represented the U 17 level or anything. So it was an incredible experience. Um, to play with some of those players, Freddie Adu, Bobby Comby, uh, you know, Clint Dempsey, who obviously I knew growing up and, 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 you know, going to Furman, Chad Marshall, who, who I knew a little bit as well. Uh, you know, some guys that went on to have just incredible careers in, in both in Europe and MLS was, was awesome for me and, and really got me ready for, uh, you know, when I, when I did eventually turn pro a little while later, um, but to go and represent the U S at a level like that and, and to actually play in, in the majority of the minutes was, was very special. Yeah, no. And you guys, like I said, that was, I think that was one of the last times we had a group go and be that successful. Um, so it was uh, really impressive. And uh, I kind of hinted at it before where if it wasn't for a 94th minute, I think Mascherano scored the goal to tie it. You know, you guys are are through, and who knows what happens. But you know, um, do you know how how they scored to to win that one? I, I don't, but I'd love to hear from you. It was uh, it was back in the golden goal days, right? It was a penalty kick. And who and created I that? I committed the foul. <laughs> who created that penalty kick? Okay. Well, you know, I don't I don't bring that stuff up. We can edit that out. No big deal. <laughs> uh, no, you know, and and people have to understand that. I always say, like, it's kind of funny, you, you were kind of downplaying um, that tournament, meaning, and for some guys, you know, there's guys that, uh, that didn't go on to do the things that half those guys on the team did. So, um, you know, I went to an alumni event recently at my college and guys are talking about games and specific plays in college. And it's like, hey, man, I, I played a lot more games after college that meant a lot more. So I don't remember them and they're just appalled that you can't, but um, you know, it doesn't take away from the impact of what it was then. Just like, um, you know, I'm sure that isn't a great memory of how it ended, but it doesn't take away from the fact that you still, like you said, that was your first opportunity to represent the country and it, it wouldn't be your last. Um, the, before we talk about signing with uh, or deciding to skip your senior year, uh, you also played for a very, very good PDL team um, in Chicago. And I think at the time they were called the Chicago Fire Reserves and they became the premier. And now I think they're like a whole different name, who knows. Um, but it was like one of the more impressive PDL teams. I, I, I remember I played PDL then and I just remember hearing about this team that like, not only did you not lose, you just didn't get any goals scored on you. And I know you were on some capacity a part of that team. How, how did that come about? And Brad Guzan was our was our goalkeeper actually. Yeah, Brad so, Guzan. <laughs> I think Chris Chris Rolf was on that team. Desan Robinson. Um, you know, you had some good MLS players, but and they were young. But I mean, how did you get involved? Was that was it because of the proximity to um, to Indiana? Yeah. So it was it was between my my sophomore and junior seasons, and there wasn't uh, PDL teams in the Dallas area. And and while I wanted to go home for for, you know, for the summer and, and spend, my, you know, some time with, with my family, it was like, there's a very good chance I'm going to turn pro after my junior season. I need to be playing regularly this summer to get ready for my junior season, you know? And so um, a lot of the, the Indiana guys who, you know, live close to Indiana um, had played for the Chicago fire reserves for pre for previous summers. And so it was just kind of natural for, for me to stay there um, for the summer and, and play with, play with that team. And yeah, I was, I was lucky again, that it was, you know, it had a lot of former uh, Chicago soccer players who, you know, who played club soccer for, for, for Chicago soccer. Again, Ned Grabovoy, Daniel Rourke, 
um, uh, Brad Guzan, uh, and then, you know, Chris Rolf was a part of the team that, yeah, Dayson Robinson and, and a couple other guys who, you know, I, maybe I don't remember all the names or Jed Zayner, um, you know, good, good guys that, that, that got drafted and had, had good careers. And so that was a wonderful place to spend my summer um, to, to get ready for my junior season. Yeah. And, uh, you know, fa fascinating that that team, you know, it's funny, you hear how well they did and then you hear who they had and you're like, well, they should have done better. Um, yeah, exactly. We should have. <laughs> but, but so you go into your senior year or your junior year, um, you, you were an all American, your junior year, you win back-to-back -back titles um, at this point you know, you kind of do what I call the mic drop and you just say, um, I'm out, you know, talk to me about that decision and, uh, you know, what was happening behind the scenes in terms of getting a generation Adidas contract. Mm -hmm. So I was really lucky. My, the, our college coaches, right. Which there was the, the transition from Jerry Yeagley, his last season to, to Mike Freitag, his, his first season who had been there forever. He played there. He was Jerry Yeagley's assistant for the longest time. They asked me, um, cause they're, you know, they're obviously well in touch with, with, uh, MLS coaches and, and agents and stuff. And, and they asked me before my junior season started, um, you know, is going pro after this year, something that, that you're interested in. And I said, yes, absolutely. Knowing that generation Adidas was going to exist that, you know, they were going to, uh, provide, um, money to finish my my education if I did decide to leave early which which was great and and I told them yes I, I I do plan on you know if if I'm deemed good enough to turn pro after my junior year and at first they kind of looked at me like what really but they were giving me a hard time they they you know they'd had a lot of good players obviously come through through IU and so they were instrumental in helping me um get an agent and, and make sure that you know generation ideas was something that I'd be able to uh uh, you know, to achieve, I guess. And so they were on board my entire junior season, which was a nice kind of, you know, peace of mind, not having to worry about telling them that, Hey, I don't plan on going here. My senior. Okay. Year. And then, and then, you know, as far as the generation Adidas contract goes, as you hinted at, um, you know, you get taken sixth overall in the first round by FC Dallas. Uh, this is back when uh, no offense to the draft nowadays, it was a little bit, um, I think there were there were more guys to find than there are now. You, you know, you still have some diamonds in the rough, um, but back then it was a, a bigger deal. Um, talk to me about your first year in in Dallas. Well, first of all, getting drafted there, were you were you excited to be going home, or were you like, oh man, I've already been to Dallas. Like, <laughs> what's going on here? Uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about going home to play in front of uh, the people you grew up playing with. Yeah, I was super excited to go home. I'm I'm a, I'm a big homebody. Um, again, I, I've always been super close to my family. Uh, you know, being at school for two and a half years away from Dallas. Uh, obviously, I had a great time, and 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 it, it, you know, it was the right decision leaving home for for school. But I missed home every day. You know, especially with those Midwest winters. I'll tell you what. <laughs> But I was super. I was super stoked to go home to play for the team that, again, I had been to their inaugural game. I had supported them uh, in their early years. <clears throat> I was able to train with them some during the summers uh, when I was at college. When I when I did come home, um, and, and so I was fairly familiar with a lot of a lot of the guys and and the the coach at the time, Colin Clark. Um, so I was extremely excited to go home. And and they were building this new stadium. You know, it was going to be the soccer second ever soccer specific stadium in the U S 
Um, and so it was, uh, it was the right place for me to be. And it's, uh, again, just another great step for me in, in, in my development. Yeah. And, and those, those squads you played for in Dallas were pretty impressive. I mean, it, uh, I think, you know, we talk a lot about teams that maybe could have won more. I think you played in two open cup finals. Um, you weren't able to win those, but um, really a, a, a heck of a squad with just really great individual talent. A lot of those guys went on to become great MLS players at other places, um, you know, much like you did. Um, just talk to me about being a young guy uh, going into that locker room. Who really helped you um, and kind of influenced you as a young pro? Yeah, we, we had some really good teams, man, and, and some really good players. We underperformed in the playoffs, unfortunately, which which was kind of that, I feel like that team's downfall, why they're not really on the map like they could be. I mean, we had guys like Carlos Ruiz and Eddie Johnson and, and Greg Vanny and Oscar Pereja, um, Clarence Goodson, um, just, you know, really good teams. Um, and I had a couple of really, really good role models, Greg Vanny being one of them, somebody that I'm super close to still. Um, still one of the best dressed guys in the league, whether he was a player or now as a coach. Um, Oscar Pereja was 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 great with me. He, he was in his final season as a player, but just uh, such a competitor, man. That if you if we were playing a small sided game, you wanted to be on this guy's team because you would not lose. This guy would not lose in small sided games. And then and then another guy is 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 Bobby Ryan, um, who obviously you know pat, passed away. Uh, it's, it's, it's been a little while now, but, um, you know, somebody who, who FC Dallas, you know, everybody involved with FC Dallas always has a special place for, for Bobby Ryan in their hearts because he was just such an amazing guy, such a great professional and somebody who really took me under his wing and uh, showed me how to work hard every day, showed me how to be a, a positive influence in the locker room and somebody that, that I certainly miss every day um, and, and feel, you know, truly fortunate and blessed to have, 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 had in our locker room to to uh uh kind of bring me up and and, and some other guys like like Clarence Goodson and um uh, just just some really good characters and, and and good people in that locker room yeah and um you know for those that uh that don't you can follow Drew on um you know Instagram and, and Twitter and, and you can always see um you know you do have a lot of stuff on there uh, fans still put out Bobby Ryan stuff and anniversary stuff so it, I can tell it means a lot to you um, and you can see the in the photos uh, how much it means to you so um, appreciate you sharing that um, you you start really having some success with Dallas um, you, you get called into uh, the full senior national team um, by Bob Bradley uh, talk to me a little bit about going from playing in the you know you, you didn't have a lot of love maybe as a youth and you get that one tournament now you're uh, representing the country on the biggest stage. That had to be uh, quite an experience for you. Yeah, it was incredible. And, and, and in fact, the first time he ever calls me in was for Copa America, which I didn't even realize at the time what Copa America means in South America. It's, it's, it's second only to the World Cup, you know? Um, and it was because I was playing well with Dallas at the time. Um, and the Gold Cup was right before Copa America and the U.S., was invited to Copa America and Bob Bradley said, we're going to play in both. And so I think, you know, he took a very strong squad to the gold cup. Um, I wasn't involved in that group, um, but found out about halfway through gold cup that I was, I was going to be called in for Copa America. And so, you know, to go to Venezuela with the full men's national team um, for the first time, were you with us? I was, you I were, was. Yeah. yeah. 
we I flew into Chicago and uh, they put me up in a room. Uh, it was Carlos Bocanegra's room after he finished uh, celebrating. So it was trashed. And that was the room I had to sit in while the rest of the guys got there so we could train that day. And uh, it was kind of awkward. Um, but yeah, it was. I, I, to, it was. I, I, re I remember. <laughs> like, I get there my first time ever with the full men's national team, right? And like, we go to a meal that the Gold Cup guys are still there, you know, and the Copa America guys are coming in and they're like partying and going crazy. And I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it, and it, it did not go well um, down in, <laughs> in Venezuela. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we won't talk too much on that. You do get some experience down there. I played in, um, I think, just the Columbia game when we were already eliminated. But, um, you know, I, I think you were a little more inoculated in, into the games there and playing right back. Um, uh, you also played in a U.S. Mexico game, right here in Houston. Yeah. Um, you know, talk talk a little bit. Uh, you know, the emotions that are are go, that go into that now every time you even watch the game. Yeah, uh, the the U.S. Mexico game is you know when again when people say what are some of your fondest memories, what you know some of the biggest games. It was it was just a friendly, but it was. I mean, you couldn't hear yourself think. It was in Houston, Texas, right in. It used to be called Reliant Stadium. The roof was closed, and it was just – it was unbelievable. Um, you know, you couldn't hear yourself think during warm-ups, much less the game. And I got this start, and uh, it was just such a, you know, a roller coaster of emotions uh, because I, I assisted Josie Altador on, on his first-ever international goal, which, which was awesome. But my man also kind of scored twice on, uh, on set pieces as well, as well right? And so um, – it was certainly a, a, a wonderful test, uh, something that I always remember. Uh, you know, I wish the defensive side ha had gone a little bit better, but to be a part of it, to look back on, on you know, a memory like that and, and, a, and an occasion like that is something that, uh, again, I feel, I feel very fortunate because a lot of people would have, would have loved to have been in my shoes for that one. Oh, for sure. Um, so let's go back to MLS, your 2009 season. Um, you get traded to Colorado for uh, Shellis Heinemann. He he had Ugo Himalu and at SMU. Um, I think you know he had to send some money and some draft picks to for the for the trade for you. Um, talk to me a little bit. I mean, was that unexpected or you were playing well? I mean, you were staple in, in Dallas. You're still loved and revered there. Um, the fans weren't real thrilled about that trade. Um, how'd you feel about it? It was 100% out of the blue. Um, literally walked in. One Monday morning, uh, I think we had had the weekend off where they were, we didn't have any games that weekend and, and walked in and got a tap on the shoulder from our assistant coach, John Elliger. Hey, coach wants to see you real quick as I was walking out to training. I didn't, I didn't think anything about it. You know, I thought Chelsea wants to talk to me. You know, I go in there, he says, close the door. <laughs> and I knew immediately, I was just thinking, where am I going? You know, there's only about 12 teams at the time back then, you know, and so he said, you know, we just accepted a trade um, for you to, to Colorado. And I don't remember anything else he said. I, you know, he's obviously said a lot of nice things to me. But, I, you know, I walked out of his office and went straight to my car and called my dad and just started crying uh, because it was unexpected, obviously. Uh, I was still a little bit maybe naive to, uh, you know, the business that, that Major League Soccer and, and, and all, all sports can be. Um, Although I had left for two and a half years to go to college, it was like I was leaving home for the first time. Uh, I did live on my own in Dallas. I didn't live actually at home. Uh, 
but it was just, you know, I think it was just an eye opener, like, wow, um, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I, I, I'm a man now. It's time to, it's time to go and start, start my, start my life almost at 25 years old, you know, and so, um, within, you know, a couple months, I, I fell in love with, with Denver and, and with Colorado and, and couldn't have come into, into a better situation. Um, and, again, super, super fortunate to, uh, you know, to have everything work out as well as it did as, as crushed as I was. Yeah. So you go, you go in, you, you play well. Um, you know, I always say that sometimes, uh, people believe that good things happen to good people and, uh, what better thing could happen than, uh, playing the team that traded you in MLS cup final, um, and helping that team win their first ever, uh, you know, trophy. Um, I mean, that, I have to imagine, I know the, I think it's the 17 year um, where you won everything, but that has to be up there with like one of the best feelings, the beating, beating your old team a year after they got, they kind of shipped you out. Incredible. Yeah. And, and, and that's the biggest thing, you know, that I, I felt, you know, I think a lot of people say, oh, it's, you know, it's a fair trade and, and, and all these things. I, I felt like Dallas just didn't want me anymore. You know, we've, Hey, we've got somebody better that we want. So we're going to send you out of here, you know, and this was again, the team that I loved that I supported growing up, you know, when, you know, once the, the league formed and stuff. And so to be sent away, I kind of felt like, okay, well, you guys don't want me anymore. And, and, and so to, to play them, I didn't even want them to get to, to, to the, to the final the next year. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't want to have to deal with the emotions and with, people, you know, interviewing me about it, you know, this is your former team. This is the team that, that traded you away, you know? Um, and so to win that game, uh, as ugly as it was, uh, was, was pretty special to, you know, win my first championship against the team that had, that had traded me away just, just the year before. And for those that don't know, that game was, uh, in the freezing cold in Toronto, um, which is kind of ironic, uh, considering, you know, where we're going to go next. But, um, you know, the interesting, there are a couple interesting stats. Um, I always thought of you and, you know, I was a guy that marked you on corners or someone was responsible. One of the big guys I'd say for marking you and you, you scored a lot of goals. You scored 28 MLS um, goals in your career. Uh, you, you know, maybe more to come. Um, your goal scoring record, you know, from a mathematical standpoint, it's pretty consistent everywhere you've been. I just feel like for some reason that Colorado team, you just scored a ton. Um, you know, it's a, you know, talk to me a little bit about how you're able to find such success. Cause you, you know, people, I, I'm bigger than you, not, not by a whole lot, but um, you know, no, you're, you, you're you would be bigger than me. <laughs> you, you would get, you would get marked pretty well, but you find a way, you know, uh, you know, I'd say like you and Dax are just deceptively awesome at, at finding the ball and, and scoring goals with your head. Uh, you know, do you feel do you feel like that's a, an added element to your game that a lot of guys, you know, in that same position just don't have? I don't know what it is. It, it's just first of all, I go forward for every corner kick and, and, and every free kick, you know, and so I get plenty of opportunities. I feel like I should have twice as many goals as I do. You know, I've hit some crossbars, I've hit some posts, I've had some called offsides, you know, stuff like that, good, good, good goalkeeper saves. But um, I don't know, a, a lot of guys, they, they say the same thing. It's just like the, the, I've got a, a magnet for the, on my head for the ball, you know, and I, I try to make good runs. I, you know, I try to know where, where the corner kick taker is, is going to try to put the ball. Um, and I did score a hundred goals in, in high school, you know? And so I think <laughs> you know, hey, that's a good, that's a good reference <laughs> to bring back. So, 
Uh, another great stat, which I just couldn't believe, uh, was you've never gotten a red card. And uh, I know you're not superstitious, but I am. So I'm going to knock on some wood here. Um, you've gotten a lot of yellow cards. Well, not a lot compared to me, but um, compared to some people, you but the, you know, the fact that you've never got in a red card tells me two things. Uh, one, that you play the game the right way. And two, that VAR wasn't around for most of your career. Yeah, thank goodness. I do, I, for me. I do have a couple red cards. That I, I don't know if they're just not on there. I have one regular season and one playoff red card. Really? Yeah. Well, I tell you, sometimes I get it wrong. Um, <laughs> uh, well, that, it's shocking to me, you know, in that, in that you've played, you know, anytime someone's played 400 games, um, you know, and, and, and forgive me for getting that wrong, but no, no um, even at, even at one red card in a regular season, one in a playoff, that's, that's pretty incredible. Um, you know, and it says, that, like I said, you, you are playing the game the right way. And, and was the red card for a tackle last man? Uh, do you remember what, I mean, obviously, hopefully you remember what they were since you only had two of them. <laughs> the playoff one was mouthing off to Baltimore Toledo um, when we were already well beaten by uh, Houston Dynamo. <laughs> okay. So, so I, I actually wasn't suspended until the, the, opening game of the following season because that was our last game that year okay well that might be that might be why i couldn't find that one what about the regular season yeah the regular season one was just it was when i was with dallas um maybe my last season with dallas i it was a bad tackle against tony beltran actually we i think we had just conceded to go down four to two late in the game and he kind of took a loose touch and i was like i'm going i'm going 100 percent. i'm either winning the ball yeah and and i you know i felt horrible he didn't get injured or anything but it was a a fair straight red card i walked straight off the field and uh texted him later on that night to make sure he was okay that's nice that's nice i never did that um (laughs) you know the the you you had a couple other milestones uh or big one in in colorado in the 2011 season um you set the record for most consecutive games played at 68 um ironically wasn't an injury that got you it was yellow cards that we kind of hinted at the you know but I think you you played uh you broke the record and played one more game um you know nowadays I think that's unheard of because of uh workload management um you know and guys just I don't expect anyone to do anything close to that you know maybe a goalie but even then probably not with the way the schedules are loaded now um that's got to be pretty cool um to to do that yeah I think it's it's something that again I look back off on and I'm, I'm, I'm very proud of it. You know, it, <clears throat> people say, oh, you, you know, you, you play professional soccer, you only train for what, two hours a day and then, and then you're done. It's like, yeah, that, that's true, but you, you got to take care of your body. You got to, you got to get sleep. You got to eat right. You, you know, I always tell my wife, oh, I, I work 24 seven, you know, and she's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, no, I, <laughs> I do, you know? And so, um, it, you know, I, I was fortunate to be able to play in, in, several different positions, um, especially during that run, um, you know, I have coaches and teammates that have a lot of faith in me and stuff and, and, and to, uh, you know, to play in, yeah, I think it was 69 consecutive 90 minute games. I, you know, thinking about that now, I, I makes me want to go take a nap or, or yeah. lay down, you know, but, uh, back then it was, it was doable and, um, something that I'm proud of. Yeah. And, and the other big milestone for me there was, uh, 2015 I think in 14 you actually against us in DC I think you tore your ACL um sliding on a Lewis Silva goal um you recover you know you have a good year in 15 and 
uh, Pablo names you to the all-star team. Um, you know, that I, I know there's a video online where you get pretty emotional, but that's gotta be a pretty good, um, pretty good confirmation of, of, you know, so far a great career at that point. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, I tore my ACL at, at 30 and it was because Luis Silva absolutely chalked me and sent me out of the camera, uh, the screen, <laughs> the screen, you know, but yeah, I, you know, I knew right away. I literally heard my ACL pop, you know, and so tough recovery, man. It, you know, ACL is no joke. And, and to, to have gone through it and to be able to share my experiences with guys who, you know, go through it now, um, you know, I like to, uh, you know, to, to let guys know uh, what to do, what to, what to look to, you know, to look forward to, how, you know, how to, uh, how to rehab it and, and stuff like that. But then to, to be named an all-star team, you know, it was obviously here at home in Colorado. And so, uh, you know, to have Pablo uh, name me a part of that all-star game, the, the first time I'd ever been a part of it was, yeah, I got, I got a little bit emotional. It was also a little bit of a surprise that they sprung on me, but to have, you know, just, just done my ACL maybe 10, 11 months before that. And, and to now represent the, the all-stars against Tottenham was, was awesome. Well, you know, just so you know, I, I, I had a lot of winning seasons where my coach was the all-star coach and they didn't take me. It's like, uh, Hey, who got you there? But I was, I figured they didn't want to pay me my bonus. So, uh, <laughs> you know, good on Pablo for doing the right thing there. Um, you, you end up signing, uh, you know, you, you always can say, you know, you're old when you qualify for the early free agency um, and MLS, but you, you end up, you know, you have a lot of uh, people that are after you. Um, you know, I think I saw you, I thought you were going to go to Philly, uh, but you end up going to, uh, to Toronto. And I feel like that was a decision uh, because of what was going on there in terms of, you know, you had a real chance to, to win some more hardware. Um, but did you feel like you had this kind of chip like, hey, I'm, I'm coming off an injury and I'm not an old guy. I can do this. Um, you know, what went into making the decision to go up north? Yeah, it was it was a big decision for me. It was the first time free agency existed in Major League Soccer. Um, I didn't want to leave Colorado. I didn't want to leave the Rapids again. My, you know, I, my wife and I, we, we loved it here. She was about five months pregnant at the time. And we had a, a nice thing going here, you know, but I thought I'm, I'm 32 years old. Uh, I've, I've won a championship here. Um, you know, Toronto wants me in free agency. They, they seem to have a lot of very good pieces. I knew Greg Vanny well, um, who was the the coach at the time. And I thought, let me go play for a for a kind of a big market club that that will be different than kind of anything I'd, I'd done so far in my I think at that point twelve year career. Um, and and made the decision. And yeah, for Philadelphia, we were very I was very close to to want to signing with 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 the union as well. But Toronto just seemed to have. Um, a little bit more of, of what I was looking for. And, and I, I still felt like I had three or four more good years in me that I could play, you know, regularly day in and day out. And, uh, you know, what better place than place with guys like Sebastian Giovinco and Josie Altador and, and Michael Bradley and, and, and a good coach in Greg Vanny. Yeah. And, and those were some great teams. Y'all won a lot of hardware. We hinted earlier at the 2017 had to probably be one of your favorite as a professional uh, you won the travel and that you won the supporter shield. I think that was a, your first and only supporter shield. You won your second MLS cup, which there aren't a lot of guys that have won uh, two in general, but especially not two with different teams, which is pretty notable. And then the, uh, you know, you had 
three Canadian championships while you're up there, which is, it's always good to celebrate with your, with your guys. Um, so really special teams. The, the interesting thing you hinted at your ACL and, and kind of how you talk to guys. Um, now you had some, you know, I know you had a heart issue uh, for a little bit there, um, which I think ended up not being uh, as big of an issue as maybe originally, I think you had a, a quad, you tore your quad. Um, I know you had some cap issues. Um, you know, as a, as a guy who's getting older and you, uh, I've got some crazy stats, you know, like you played 27 games um, in four different seasons for Dallas. You played 30 plus games in four consecutive seasons for Colorado. And uh, those other 10 years uh, or nine, 10 years there, you played 20 or more games in five of those seasons as a pro. Um, you know, and people just, they think when you become this Iron Man that your body can't break down and you start thinking it too. So when it does, you're like, oh crap, this is, this isn't it. But, um, you know, you talk a lot about living this stuff 24 seven and really it does come down to body maintenance. And, you know, you got a guy like Robin Frazier now who talks about um, how great of a professional you are and, um, you know, how do you, how have you learned to adapt to this changing, uh, this changing league and still be relevant? Yeah, I think, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. The, you realize you're, you're not invincible. You're not Iron Man. Uh, the, the quad tear, I think, was, was kind of the beginning of me realizing that the body is, is hopefully slowly um, kind of starting to, to break down. It just, you know, you get to a point you just cannot sustain day in and day out what, what we put our bodies through in Major League Soccer. And, and so while I still when I, when I'm healthy and, and, and knock on wood, I, I have been for a little while now, well, you know, when I'm healthy, I, I, I make sure I go up there every single day and still train as hard as I possibly can and do everything I can to get my body right, to get my mind right. And, and, and to help the team. But there's also this, this role that, that I feel responsible to fill in being a, a presence being somebody who's, who's seen a lot of things, who's, who's been around for a long time, who has had some success, who's had some failures that can um, teach some of these younger kids and, and even some of the older guys, uh, you know, through example and, and through being a voice and, and just, again, showing up every day and, and doing what I've always done. It, it looks a lot different than it did when I was 22 years old. Um, but I, I, I do still think there, there's a role for, for guys who might not be able to play every game for 90 minutes, but can come on and, um, you know, make appearances when needed or uh, to close things down, you know, late in games, uh, but to also just be a, a, a positive uh, influence in, in the locker room and, and on the training field uh, on a daily basis. And that's certainly a role that I've tried to embrace these past couple seasons and uh, hope that there's, uh, you know, a, you know, a season or a couple more seasons in front of me to continue to do it. Yeah. And, and kind of to piggyback on that. So, you know, one of my favorite things that I've heard you say, and I, I hear it a lot, right. You hear a lot of guys say um, they sacrifice so much um, being a professional athlete for their family. And you're one of the few guys who uh, you say it much better. And, and I think guys mean it this way, but it doesn't come out that way. As you say, you think your family for sacrificing so much to let you be a pro athlete. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it's about is, um, you know, there's a lot of people behind the scenes, like you said, it's 24 seven. It's, it's, uh, Hey honey, there's a game tomorrow. I can't wake up with, the, with my kids. Um, you know, I'm going to be gone for preseason for 
three months, you know, uh, or I'm going to leave in a blizzard because we're not going to be able to train and, and you're going to be here. So um, I really love that you have this outlook where, you know, as a guy that doesn't get to do it anymore, um, it is an opportunity and something that people would kill for around the world. Um, so I, I love that you look at it as it's not a sacrifice for you. It's a sacrifice for everyone else around you so that you can do it. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, uh, I, I know Toronto, I, I kind of downplayed your impact there in terms of not just uh, on the field, but I know you were a bit of a fan favorite and it has a special place in your heart. I think both of your sons were born there. Is that correct? Yeah, they're dual citizens. There you go. That's just a great story. Um, you know, but it, it really is a, um, when you consider kind of where you end up going back, it's, you know, Colorado is the biggest chapter in, in your soccer book right now. Um, and you kind of go back at a really funky time, um, you know, right before the world shuts down for COVID. Um, you know, talk to me a little bit about your coaching stint uh, at, at, during the pandemic. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah, it, it was funny because well, – also not funny, but it was kind of funny because it could be funny. It, it was last kind of September um, when, you know, the league had had kind of survived COVID and, and we were back to playing games. Um, you know, we were traveling charter, which which is amazing when you've flown commercial for 15 plus years. Right. Middle um, seats. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, there's nothing wrong with commercial, but I prefer charter. Um <laughs> And you're flying out the day of games sometimes, right? So it's just everything, everything's weird. And then all of a sudden, we, you know, we start getting an outbreak on our team where, you know, a couple, couple staff members test positive and then a couple players test positive. And it's like, man, this, you know, this isn't great. And Robin, Robin uh, Frazier, our head coach, calls me one night, with, you know, kind of randomly. I, I wasn't really expecting a call from him, but I'm just like, hey, Robin, you know, how's it going? And he's like, well, it's been better. And it didn't quite register at first with me. I'm like, I'm like, oh, did did more players test positive or something? And he's like, no, a couple coaches did. <laughs> and he goes, how do you feel about coaching the game in Portland this weekend? And I was like, wow. Of course, immediately I was like, of course, I'll, I'll do whatever whatever you need me to do. You know. Well, it turns out, you know, we continued to get more and more positives, and and we didn't end up going to Portland because we basically had to shut down for like two weeks. Um, but you know, for a couple of days there, I was myself and, and the Academy director, uh, and then, you know, Jack Price, our captain, we're kind of coaching the team, obviously, you know, just taking out the game plan that the coaches, you know, I zoomed with them, uh, you know, each evening before, uh, you know, before the training session. So I could, you know, know what we were trying to do and stuff, but, um, yeah, a little, uh, a little different, something I hadn't experienced yet, but it was, uh, again, how, how the, how the, how the guys handle that? I mean, do you feel like they, there was buy-in from, from your teammates or, uh, they were laughing at me the whole time. Not one, <laughs> not one of them did what I asked them to do. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was saying, I, I don't think I would have gotten that call that makes you feel better. Uh, um, you know, but, but it kind of, it kind of does hint at, um, you know, I don't, I'm not a believer in, um, I, I'm a big believer in preparing for uh, what the next steps are and you can still prepare uh, for the next steps and, and still play three more years, you know? So for me, that kind of hinted at a lot of people are asking you, do you want to be a coach? And um, I know you did social media work, um, you know, and some, some media stuff, some TV stuff, um, when you were injured, um, you know, what, what can people expect from Drew Moore um, down the line in terms of, 
you know, do you, do you have an urge to, to do that? Or are you still leaving that, that door wide open and while you're, while you're focused on playing? Uh, I, I certainly have thought about it. It's something I think about every day. What am I going to do when I'm done as a player? I've been thinking about it for probably 12 years now. Um, I am taking a, you know, the, the, the B license coaching course right now, um, as we speak, uh, it's all virtual, um, right now, although there is an in-person meeting, um, coaching is something that intrigues me. Uh, I don't know yet if it's, if it's something that I really want to do. Um, broadcasting and, and commentating still very much intrigues me. I was able to be the color commentator of a couple games when I was injured with my knee. I mean, obviously this was, you know, seven, seven plus years ago. Um, front office work even, even uh, intrigues me a little bit as well, but it's, you know, I definitely do not plan on leaving the sport. I don't really plan on leaving the league necessarily. Uh, you know, there were days I would say earlier in my career where, you know, soccer became a bit of a grind and it was like, oh, when I'm done, I just want to go do something completely different. But I just, I just feel like it's, it's something that will always pull me back. I've been doing it. It's, it's been my passion since I was five years old. And, and so staying in the game in some capacity is, is definitely my plan, but I would say coaching broadcasting are, are right at the top of my, my list. Well, hear me out here. You let's just say you had coached that game in Portland as a player coach you actually would not have been the first player in MLS. Uh, I think Roy Weggerly for the Colorado Rapids, ironically, coached one game as a player coach back in 96. Uh, shout out to the Weggerly family. I grew up playing for his brother, Steve Weggerly, as a youth. Um, but there has never been an announcer coach. So maybe <laughs> maybe you could find a way to be the head coach and announce your own games, uh, you know, and, you know, say we're going to go down to the field and you just – yell at a guy and sub him out. Um, but all kidding aside, I'm sure whatever you decide, um, it's going to be great. I know you're going to keep playing because um, you're, you're still carrying that torch for, for guys like me that wish they were doing it. They just, their body didn't hold up and their talent level wasn't uh, as good as yours. Um, the last thing I want to say is uh, a mixed martial arts coach that I really like, John Kavanaugh. Um, he has a, a motto that I stole when I played and for you, it, it's more fitting for you, I think, than it is for me. And he always told his fighters their best, abil uh, best ability was availability. Um, you know, and for an Ironman like you, um, it seemed like you were always available uh, for your team whenever they needed you. Um, I think that you're still available and you should continue to still be available. So I want to thank you for, uh, for being available for this interview. <laughs> um, and I, I know that there's a lot of people that are going to be really excited to to hear um, you know, what you had to say because of your illustrious career. And um, I can't thank you enough for coming on today. I appreciate it, Bobby. Thanks for having me, man. Uh, you, you're somebody who I've respected since we came into the league together. And uh, you know, my, my days as a player are numbered, obviously. And so if I can uh, continue uh, when I'm done to be as, as happy and as bright and, and as funny as you, then, then I'll consider myself a pretty lucky guy. All right, well, uh, there you go. There's uh, Top, top top guy, uh, more minutes than, than any human body should endure, and he's still going. So, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking three more years. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on. That's Drew Moore, everybody. Thank you for listening to Play by Players. Visit playbyplayerspod.com for more episodes or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a production of the MLSPA. Learn more at MLSplayers.org.